I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here, and we are doing an Empowered Empaths show today with the wonderful and lovely Melanie Van. Hi, Melanie. Hey, Kristen. So today, in honor of Halloween (laughs) and the kickoff to the holiday, which is a really, let's just, you know, let's just be honest here a really difficult time for those of us who have dealt with um, people with narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder. Um, It's a really rough time. We're entering into my favorite season of the year. And I know it is yours too, Melanie, because everything out of your mouth, you were at a Starbucks the other day and I had to hold because you were like, I want a pumpkin spice this and a pumpkin spice that. So I know you love (laughs) (laughs) Look, pumpkin spice latte and pumpkin, the pumpkin cake. Yes. Mm -hmm. Pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread. I'm sorry. Which actually, I wasn't making funny, but you were like, shut up, Walker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But what's, I I love that stuff too. But we love the fall. Like, don't you love the fall? Yes, absolutely. Just went to pick apples the other day. It was such a great time. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. We live in this gorgeous place where the leaves change colors and people come from all over the world to where we live in order to see this, which I'm not going to say where we live, but you know, um, it's, it's, it's an amazing time. And yet it is the beginning of what is some of the most stressful times of the year for anyone who has dealt with psychological abuse, family, a past mate, past friend, what have you. So, This is uh, the narcissism show on Empowered Empaths called Welcome to Being Spooked. (laughs) So how we are going to talk about how we enter into this time uh, with some shields up and um, with some grace for ourselves, especially, and some knowledge and awareness and examples, because I know you all love our examples of, you know, what we've been through and warnings, warning signals from people that 
you don't see in the beginning. So it is not your fault that you didn't see it. It's not your fault that uh, they are great, great actors and that you don't find out about who they really are until their mask starts to slip and you're already, you know, into a friendship or a relationship or whatever. Please don't shame yourselves. My goodness. I still sit back and go, ooh, how am I going to get out of this one now? I think, I think the advantage um, or what's in my tool chest now is, A, yes, I do see things right away much more quickly. Well, that's what right away means. Anyway, I see things right away more often. Um, I listen to my gut. I have tons of people I can call like Melanie and Melanie will say, mm -mm, I got really a bad feeling about that. I don't want anything to do with it. And I listen to that instead of trying to convince Melanie or Michael or whoever, instead of giving someone a resume of how wonderful this person is, which is what I used to do to try to convince them how great this person is. I don't do that anymore. That's a red flag too, when you do that about anyone. And, um, and also I, um, I know that things appear when they appear and that I am not at fault. I don't need to be ashamed because I didn't see a red flag. Some of them are just really freaking good at what they do. You know, Dr. George Simon, who wrote In Sheep's Clothing, does a series Character Matters on my show. And he even says, yeah, sometimes, you know, he runs into them too and it takes a few months and then he's like, whoa, I need to back out of this. So it, it happens to all of us. So first, survivors and thrivers don't try not to shame yourself because you get enough of that from them and um, the last thing I'd say about the toolbox is the biggest thing I have in my toolbox now is how to exit in in a way that is the most peaceful for me that's a huge huge piece because part of being around predators is knowing how to um, get away from them without getting clawed. That takes some skill, my friends, let me tell you. <laughs> so Melanie, what, what it are your does. thoughts? It does. Well, I mean, obviously I think about the gray rock method and if our listeners don't know what that is, any type of emotion that a narcissist can get out of you, whether it's adoration or anger or anything they can get out of you, they're going to get energy from, right? That's going to be part of their supply, even if it's negative they still, it still makes them feel like they have control. So when you can gray rocket and just back out um, without any emotion involved, then the less they're going to want to interact with you because there's nothing they can get out of you. So if you just have a very flat response and a flat way of exiting things, and sometimes really strong boundaries can work, but a lot of times that, you know, will kind of fly back it'll tick them off and they may be upset but eventually they're going to go away uh so i think about gray rock and then the other thing too you, you were talking a lot about shame and i uh, just want to point out that part of uh, or part or actually a lot of what narcissists use in their toolbox is our humanity it's our own humanity because yeah. they'll you. come in and they'll, you know, they do this love bombing or they present themselves in a way that's just so wonderful, whether it be a love interest or a friend or a coworker, and they make themselves seem so wonderful. And then they'll turn around and do something so 
horrible that we literally can't comprehend it because our our humanity doesn't even allow us to think like that. Right. And so that's where the brainwashing starts. It's such a jarring reality that someone could be so callous, like we don't want to believe that. And so we we get into the space of we don't even really understand it. And I think sometimes that's why we stick around because we're literally trying to make sense of it, especially those of us that are empaths because we want to be caring and forgiving to everyone. But that is exactly what they use against you is your own nature. They're animals, in my opinion. <laughs> and I have I have empathy for people that have been through trauma and end up becoming narcissists. But it doesn't mean that you need to stay in relationship with them. You know, you need to have empathy from afar um, and, unless you're a counselor trying to treat them, I guess. And, and that, that you still have to have boundaries. But, yeah, the, they really know how to use your own intelligence, your own humanity, your own empathy, all those things, they, they psychologically, they are always five steps ahead of you generally when it comes to manipulation. Right. And that's what you have to remember. It doesn't mean they're smarter than you. It's not a game no. of, of IQ. Some of them no. can be, well, Melanie said the funniest thing that I won't say on the air because she's kind about everyone. So when she does say something that isn't, wouldn't necessarily be sound kind, but is so funny that I almost pee my pants. Um, she did say that about one narcissist that was dealing with me. And I won't say what it was. I'll just tell you this, listeners. It was so on point about intelligence. And it was so funny that to this day, I can think of it. And I literally crack up as hard as I did the first time I heard it. So it does not mean that they are more intelligent than you. It just means that they got nothing to do. There's no empathy floating around in there for them to be bothered with. So all no. they have is scheming and manipulation. So you're damn right they're better at it than you are. Yeah, well, they're working from prey mode. They're yes. working from prey mode because, you know, they have nothingness inside of them. So they're constantly in prey mode. So what do people do that are in prey mode? They they think five steps ahead. I, mm -hmm. I know for me, that was one of the, well, a big issue for me was learning how to unwind my brain from doing that. Right. Because I thought like that, I began to think five steps ahead, which created this huge amount of anxiety. I mean, living with someone like that really gave me insight into how their brain really works. And it certainly gave me understanding, which eventually led me to be able to get out of the relationship. But they, they have to think like that because they're always guarding. They're always guarding the nothingness that exists inside and they will go to any length to protect it. So that's why they live that far ahead of you in, in manipulation because they never want to be faced with their own failure. They never want to be faced with who they really are on the inside and they'll do whatever they can. You know, that's why it's so easy for them to discard you. Uh, so hopefully people will start to understand why a narcissist is so dangerous. Again, even though we can understand how we got there, um, it is just so detrimental. It's so detrimental to, to someone's emotional health to spend any time 
it is with these and it, people. That's why we call it fleas and ticks. Because <laughs> listen, I just was saying to Melanie before we hit record, you know, I remember being in that space of retaliation and, um, you know, one uh, one upping someone who was literally trying trying to devour my soul. A couple people, and boy, I in those two situations, they laid down and walked away because I was quote unquote crazier than what they wanted to deal with. (laughs) That was a strategy. I didn't realize it at the time, but I've talked about it in therapy at, you know, with people that's, you know, have gone to school for this and with people like George Simon and Dr. Paul Meyer and many others that know this, you know, from that clinical perspective, as well as Melanie that, you know, yeah, um, I was raised by predators. I know what it feels like to be one because when you're around them, it seeps into your pores too, which is why when you come out of these relationships, you've got some work to do. You cannot heal without doing that personal work because there's a good chance that you'll behave like them, possibly become one of them, uh, do hurtful things like them, because you're you're carrying those fleas and ticks from being in that relationship with them. And I did things to um, get out of relationships with two very, very dangerous predators. And I had so much shame about it. I mean, I, I had so much shame. And that's the one thing my therapist said. Did you hear what you just said, Kristen? Here's the difference. You had shame about your behavior, right? And I said, oh, my God, I still do to this day. It's gone now, mind you. That was a great therapy session. But I said, yeah, I still do to this day. And she goes, that's the difference between you and them. I guarantee you they had no shame for what they were doing to you. Yeah, that's because they're, they don't allow themselves to feel shame. So they're always going to cognitively figure out a way to avoid that feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's why they project so much all the time because they're not going to own the feeling. They're not going to own what they've done. So they're going to put it on to someone else. And I I just want to point out too, you know, sometimes, and we've talked about covert narcissism before, but sometimes these things aren't so familiar. Sometimes narcissists are not malicious. They can actually come across as being a good guy or a nice girl. Mm-hmm. And even they don't really set out to hurt you, but they hurt you as little as they can to achieve the goal, to make them dependent on you and to, to give you dependent on them. Right, right, right. To make you dependent on them and then also to get what they need. So even though the primary goal may not be to hurt you, it become it it's still this is undercurrent of they're going to do whatever they need to to get what they need out of you. So sometimes it's not so malignant. Sometimes it's not so obvious. And those are the times that it can just be really confusing because even in your head, you're like, well, I thought this person was a really nice person, but then you soon begin to realize that everything they do is a manipulation to feed them what they need for their own personality, which can be incredibly, um, I, I guess just it, it's, 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 you know, doesn't empower you. It, it doesn't make you feel like uh, validated in any way. Uh, and it can just be extremely dismissive 
yes. um, which is, uh, you know, obviously something that's, and you begin to forget about your own emotions and feelings because they're constantly dismissed. Um, and that's because it makes them uncomfortable because they don't have those feelings because they don't yes. have them. It's just another source of envy because they don't have those real feelings. So, and that's where it can be spooky <laughs> because they hoover starting around this time of the year, like yep. nobody's business. Melanie, Melanie and I both, I keep wanting to like mash your name into this one word, like <laughs> Melanie. But anyway, um, because <laughs> I say it so often, <laughs> you and my ex-husband are the people I talk to the most every day. Um, anyway, so we both have, and this is why, oh my God, those friendships are so important because Melanie can have someone that they know that she's mentioning parts of their relationship on the air. And yet they listen to every single one of the shows that we do. And then they send these weird emails to me to try to get to her they disguise themselves as other people to try. And you, we know this because we know it and she'll call me and she'll be like, what <laughs> on earth? And we, and then the same thing happens for me. Someone who has just been a nightmare, absolute nightmare. <laughs> they find some way to try to, you know, they'll try to get to Melanie to get to me. And we just kind of call each other and we have our group of friends out, you know, in the field that we all warn each other. We all discuss things. We all say, we don't just, we are, and I'm not just saying we just watch out for that person, blah, blah. No, it's not about that. It's not like we have these parties where we all get together and just put people down and be careful. We, you know, a lot of the people in our circles are mental health professionals and some are not. They come from all walks of life. And we just say, hey, listen, here's a warning. Uh, this person is either in deep trauma or this is someone who has antisocial personality disorder somewhere on the spectrum. So, this is what happened to me. If anything's happened to you, if you've had a different experience and you found that they're lovely, good for you, ignore what I said. You know, we're very conscious about it. We are a mental health organization after all, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to watch out for dangerous people. And um, and that that spooky piece where they come in, especially in the fall throughout the holidays, is um, it's unsettling. It, it, it can be very unsettling, even if you think, yeah, you're over it. It's unsettling. And I'm going to say one way it is, and then I'm going to be quiet because I want Melanie to talk. But here's something that they do, and Melanie says it much better than I. They get in enough to where they know what your wounds are. Now, you'd think that it would be difficult for someone like this to really be able to get at me because of my wounds, because what the hell have I talked about for six years on the show? My wounds, my mental health struggles, what have you. But they, they find, they're still so adept at finding the ones that are still gotchas for you. And I'm human. There's plenty of wounds I've talked about on this show 
that I have dealt with and ain't nothing going to get through those. And then there's some that I'm still working on. And these people will are like, oh my gosh, they can smell it like, you know, a fly to, you know what? Oh, that's a wound that I, maybe I can use later to get at her. And then they turn around and they use it to get at you. And you're just absolutely floored. Like it could have been months that you've spoken to them and they can perfectly craft a dig at you using one of the things that you're not quite healed, you know, within yet. I know, I know no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. It could have been months that you've spoken to them and they can perfectly craft a dig at you using one of the things that you're not quite healed, you know, within yet. What do you think yes. about that, Mel? Oh, it's totally true. They they will they will get to know you extremely well and it's often you know, we've talked about the narcissistic stare on a show before. Oh, yeah. um, if you if you get an eerie feeling that they're just kind of looking at you weird and they're literally kind of looking through your soul and they're, they seem to be thinking about something else, it's because they are. They're <laughs> literally cataloging your personality, your mannerisms, your wounds, this piece of history that you told them about, because that in their world gives them substantiability. It arms them. Think again, their prey. So it arms them yeah. with a way that they can have control over you. So it, it's, I mean, and, and this is just on, on a, a plea to our listeners. And I think that's why we can talk about post-traumatic growth after getting out of relationships with people like this is because those of us that are fighters and most empaths are, you fight to not have the wounds anymore. So you do whatever you have to, to heal them so that you're, you're no longer a vulnerable target. Now, all of us are going to have things because we're human beings and those things just don't disappear. But I truly believe that you can heal those things enough so that they literally will eventually run out of places to shoot their arrow and they'll just stop shooting at you. Yes. Because every time they do, it like bounces off and you're like, ah, now what are you going to do? You know, but I mean, these these people are so psychotic and sociopathic that they can find a little millimeter of, you know, of scabs still left. Yeah, they're going to find it. But just, you know, that should be encouragement for us to try to look within ourselves and I'm not saying that your wounds attract these people. It's generally nope. your kindness, your brightness. It's just that that's what they use against you. So that that was one thing I was thinking. And then the other thing is the holidays, right? So 
you know, we love the holidays. Holidays are happy times. It's oftentimes maybe that a narcissist is not able to find happiness. They've known us in the past, so they know that we're probably generous, that we open our hearts to everyone. So they think that this might be a time that you might would change your mind <laughs> about, about who they are. And it is unbelievable. And, and what I think is a driving factor behind narcissists that keep coming back and trying to re-enter your lives is that they still don't want to take responsibility for who they yeah. are. If, if they can get your, if you can overlook whatever it was that they did to you and they can get you back in their grips. And this means they don't have to look at their self and their own faults. And so they'll just continue and continue and continue. And then when they start to feel really insecure, then they're probably going to reach out to you again because they just cannot deal with, with who they are. And that might be when they start grasping at you again. And oftentimes it is around the holidays because they do, they feel so insecure. That's why so many narcissists ruin holidays all the time is because they can't find that joy and, and happiness for anything. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, that they will, um, it's 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 a difficult road. It was interesting. I had this conversation with Joe Fusaro, who does Hysteria Radio, and he's also my um, editor and uh, editor for many of our podcasters on the network. And he's so such a sensitive person. And Joe, don't you dare edit this out. Mm -hmm. um, and he's had his problems. I mean, every single person that does a podcast on this network, that's, we're not here to be, you know, put on a perfect front. We're here to talk about, you know, our issues and what have you. So um, I was kind of racking my brains over something and someone who was just being really awful. And uh, he said, you know, Kristen, I think that, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, I think that what we have to get to a place to is that we're always going to deal with this to some degree because we are a mental health company. And I thought, thank you, because that gives me permission to not go, how could I let this happen again? Why didn't I see this? Da, da, da. No, there's we have to we have to do that, because sometimes some people that come at us and like throw us a zinger and we're like, where the hell did that come from? Oh, my God. You know, uh, we thought this person was had their issues, but we didn't realize that that was this sometimes it's just that they're still in their trauma from being abused. It isn't that they're a predator. It's they're acting out of trauma and they were triggered. So I'm really careful listeners. I really am when I'm dealing with someone who I know what their past is. I know what some of their story is. I can see patterns in their behavior and they may come at me about something that and, and come about me or Melanie or anyone on the network or wherever and do it in a way that is looks very much like somebody that has <laughs> a bigger problem, like a personality disorder. But we stop and we take it into consideration and we and we see what time tells about the person's behavior. Do they apologize? Do they do they have insight into their own behavior? Can we talk about it later when everything, you know, has kind of calmed down? 
um, are they willing to and do go to therapy to um, work on their stuff? Or no, is this just something that this is how they are and for whatever reason they're not going to change? They're either stuck in their trauma or they have a personality disorder. So we do take a lot into consideration, but it is difficult. Um, it is difficult when we do figure out that what we are actually dealing with is um, is something that turns out to be really spooky. And we have to figure out the best way for our own psyches to peacefully exit that relationship. Um, I'm over being afraid of what somebody says about me online. Uh, I've had stalkers. I've had people that think because I share so much personal stuff that automatically they're my friend. And then that gives them the right to expect me to call them every night and, uh, you know, answer this and answer that. I've had those things happen. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an interesting thing that you deal with when you decide to be public. And most of the time, Every person that does cross a boundary will say, oops, I'm sorry, I've realized I've crossed a boundary. And they stop. But there's that 2%, 1% that don't. They get enraged when you put down even the tiniest boundary. And they're the ones that end up kind of stalking you later, writing crappy reviews wherever they can about you, about my show or about on our social media, pulling out wounds they know I have or someone else has on the network and um, and then they crop up during like what we're talking about holiday times thinking that somehow we're going to forget that that behavior or they start attacking again out of the blue because they're feeling down and so a charge for them is to then go attack everyone that they feel has wronged them so it's it's really an interesting challenge to get through it um, and to try to manage it not derailing you know i got a lot i got to focus on melanie's got a lot she's got to focus on in her life we all do so how do we move forward being spooked but having it not derail us it's hard <laughs> it's hard especially when you've been in abusive relationships and a couple of things are popping into my mind and one is this trend I think in the field that wants to maybe unintentionally shame victims of narcissists yes. and we do it all the time we do it all the time and and what I don't understand it, it seems so counterproductive because okay if we have a lot of wounds yeah Maybe we are more vulnerable to narcissists, especially if we wear them on our sleeve because of our temperament, which is generally why you wear things on your sleeve. It has nothing to do with your character. It's really just your temp your temperament. So if you have a lot of wounds, then what what good is it going to do for someone to point out to you, well, you need to work on your wounds and you need to do yeah. this because you keep attracting all these narcissists. And it's oh. like, wow. What, when what should be coming out of their mouth is, I'm so sorry you're having a hard time in your life right now. How can I help you um, 
you know, heal your wounds. Not that someone would actually say that to you, but that, that to me should be the approach that we should be taking, not shaming people for having problems, for having been, you know, perpetrated against in the past. It's not, oh, look at what you're doing because you're not healing yourself. Then you're going to invite more of these people in where there's a, there's a hair of truth in that. Yep. But what good is it going to do for someone to call you out what they really should be when doing you're in is, pain, when you're in pain, exactly. When you've already been traumatized and you probably already are carrying shame that you shouldn't be carrying. So I, I despise that we, we do that to people because it's, there's nothing productive about it. Yeah. There's and absolutely I'm absolutely productive. <laughs> I'm throwing myself out, out there on this. I've done that to people and uh, not a lot, not a lot, but I have done that. And I'll tell you, it's when I'm really tired, like it's at the end of the day and I've heard the same thing again and again from someone. And my thing is go to therapy, like, you're going in a circle, the same circle, go to therapy. And, you know, that's not really helpful. <laughs> well, but, and it's but, not me but, being but listen, well, but, but there's nothing wrong in a friendship. If you say to someone, I can't, I can't help you anymore with this. Yeah, I think true. you need a professional. There's it's detrimental to your relationship for someone to call and complain about the same things over and over and over and over if they're not doing anything to try to help themselves out of it. So to me, it's a healthy boundary in a relationship. Now, Mm. maybe tone or something could be improved. I don't know. Probably my my tone could be. Exactly. You know, maybe that could change. Then, but don't call I, me at six o'clock at night and expect yeah, after a long day. <laughs> yeah, there's that's never conducive. You know, of course, we want to be able to ca- call our friends and talk to them, but eventually, at some point, you need to take responsibility and be better. And then your friend can kind of share you one from the sidelines because right. it's not this, you know, weight and heaviness, but you know, everyone has personal responsibility and, right. but we should be helping people along in those spaces. And sometimes when people have been through just so much in their life then they just can't snap their fingers and say, Oh, I'm healed now. I don't have any more wounds. Like that's not how it works. Some wounds right. are deep. It takes years. It takes, it just takes time. And we can't just say, Oh, I'm throwing up this boundary. And I'm not going to have this wound anymore. That's not how it works. And Mm -hmm. someone coming forward and saying, well, you need to change because you keep attracting these people into your life. Well, sometimes that's the case. And and sometimes a lot of people have a lot of, you know, unhealthy patterns in their own lives that let these relationships continue. So it is just not as simple as it seems, I guess, is what I is what I want to say to our our listeners. I I found this article. I want to read a couple of things from this article, Kristen. We should talk about this on another show. This guy's name is Leon Seltzer, PhD. The name of the article is The Vampire's Bite, Victims of Narcissists Speak Out. It's in Psychology Today. Mm. And some of the things, he basically is giving quotes in this article that people have said about being in relationship with narcissists. Um, And I think some of the things just rung so very true. Um, Let me see if I can get to it really quick. It was a losing of myself that caused me the most anguish. I could feel it like a brainwashing, like a vampire. And he claimed he didn't do anything wrong. Didn't know what I meant when I said I was sad all the time and couldn't trust a word I said. This was good. Narcissists install a mental filter in our head a little bit at a time. Slow drip. 
Before we know it, everything we do, everything we say or think goes through this filter. Will he get upset if I say, do, or think this? Will she approve or disapprove? Will he or she hurt, be hurt by this? So that everything you do in your life goes through this filter. That one was really good. Yeah. And then uh, the narcissist will suffocate. All that is good in you will twist your psyche until you don't know who you are anymore. Eventually your own face will not seem your own in the mirror. Yes, it actually gets that bad. Believe me. So I recommend that our listeners get to that article and read it. And this guy's got like 10 or 11 articles on Psych Central. Again, his name was Leon Seltzer, S-E-L-T-Z-E-R. I'll try to get him on. Yeah, let's try to get him on a show. Because, yeah, I, yeah. I, do, I do. Listen, another big thing is, you know, you, you still got to get to the root. Um, if you're someone who has had a lot of these people in your life, like yeah. I have, I had to find, okay, we all know where vampire lore comes from. It was not just crafted out of thin air. It was created to talk about narcissism yeah. and put it into lore form. Yeah. So you know how in some of those stories about narcissists, I mean about vampires, you have to go kill the, and I don't mean like literally in the real world, but in the story you have to go kill the, the first vampire Yes. Uh, kill that one. And then all the other vampires die because die their creator yes. was dead, was killed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I had to do metaphorically, you know, in my life, I had kept having them come in because, you know, whatever you believe in, in terms of a higher power, Buddha, universe, God, whatever it is, you're, you, you keep getting lessons and those lessons show up in the form of people. And so I kept having people come in my life to try to help heal these wounds that I have had from childhood until I finally got to the root. The root, sadly, I already knew was my father. And very sadly, I finally woke up to it being my mother. Uh, and that's going to take me a long time to process and to heal. It does not mean I hate. It doesn't mean I don't take responsibility for my life and my choices and that I blame my parents for everything. No, it does not mean that at all. It just means that I finally got to the root cause of where these wounds came from. And I'll tell you what, getting to that root, I can work from there. And I'll tell you the I don't have these kinds of people pop into my life. I'm not susceptible to them because I finally got to the root and I'm working from there instead of trying to heal over here, put a Band-Aid. Oh, here's another one. Put another Band-Aid and so on. I'm going straight to the source. That's the focus in therapy. And since that time, these people either don't come in at all. I'm not yummy and chewy for them um, because I'm in a different space or they come in and they go, they go away pretty quickly for a myriad of reasons because I got to the root. So anyway, thank you, Melanie, for coming on and doing this one. We will do another Empowered Empaths next week. Try not to be spooked, folks, but if you are spooked, just um, hold tight. You're okay. It's okay to be spooked. And give yourself a break. Totally agree. All right. Thanks, everyone, for another edition of Mental Health News Radio. 
Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.